Good morning. I hope you are having a great day, whatever the day is. I hope it's a great one for you. Welcome to The Well. As always, we talk about how to live wisely and faithfully in this beautiful, awesome, wonderful world. I'm looking out the window right now. It's probably 70 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Beautiful, almost fall day. It's a beautiful world, but it's also a challenging world, and it gets more so, at least in my mind, every day. And so I am so glad to have you along. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever received an invitation to do something, go somewhere, experience something, turned it down, and later regretted it? That's a terrible feeling. I look at my life, and it is a long string of turning down great invitations. When I was in graduate school from a small town in Kentucky, went down to Atlanta, it was overwhelming was getting ready to graduate, and I thought, you know, I need a little bit more time before I enter into the ministry. Had an opportunity to move to Barbados, live on the beach, take some courses at a seminary, help out a small church. I mean, can anything be more appealing to a young single guy than to do that? But no, I decided I didn't want to do that. Instead, I opted to move to Roanoke, Virginia. Nothing wrong with Roanoke. Love Roanoke. But it's not Barbados nor will it ever be. And I've thought about that invitation I had that I just turned down for whatever reason I've regretted it. And there's so many more. You know, the Bible, as I look at the New Testament in particular, is filled with invitations. I mean, the very beginning of the gospel, according to Matthew, Jesus says, come follow me. I mean, that's an invitation. You thumb through all the pages, get all the way to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17, And the Spirit says, whoever is thirsty, come to me and take the free gift of the water of life. It is an invitation. God invites you and me to live a new life. And I want to think about that invitation and also think about how it is that we're trying to find that new life in all the wrong places. So there are two stories that are back to back in the gospel, according to John. The first is about a guy named Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. He's devout. He's very religious. He's a member of the ruling council, which is like the Supreme Court. Nicodemus is the religious guy in his community, and yet there's something missing in his life. And he goes to visit Jesus under the cover of darkness just to learn about who this Jesus is. You see, Nicodemus was trying to find meaning through religious activity. And while it was good and it was fine, it just wasn't doing it for him. He knew instinctively there had to be more out there. And I wonder how many of us kind of look for this meaning in life, look for this kind of transformation that we can experience. We want to live a life of meaning, satisfaction, and purpose. That's what I think God gives us, among other things. That's what we're looking for. And sometimes we just think by doing religious activity, just doing the right stuff, we're going to experience that. I liken it to being in the Rotary Club. So I love Rotary. I was a Rotarian in a previous life. I guess you're always a Rotarian, but I'm not active right now. I'm going to be again. Love going to Rotary meetings because it was great fellowship. Every week we'd get together. We would enjoy one another's company weekly. We'd share a meal together. We'd hear an interesting speaker. We had a little ritual that we would do And then we would also do some community service. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound familiar to any of you as to something that happens weekly? And sometimes there's a meal and there's some fellowship and there's a ritual and there's a speaker and then there's some community service. Sounds an awful lot like church, doesn't it? 
What's the difference, though, between a rotary club and a church? Purely and simply, it is Christ. It's Jesus. Rotary Club does great things, love Rotary. But if we're going to look to Rotary to meet our spiritual needs and to experience some kind of spiritual transformation, we're looking in the wrong place. I mean, Jesus once said, actually said it to Nicodemus, hey, human life can reproduce human life. Only the spirit can reproduce spiritual life. And so I think that's something we have to keep in mind as we are looking in life for something, looking in life for this meaning, satisfaction, and purpose. Where am I looking for it? Is it just in religious activity, going through all the right motions? Because if we are merely going through the right motions, we might as well be going to Rotary Club and not going to worship. Well, in the next chapter, chapter four of John, we are introduced to a woman from Samaria. She's a call her Samaritan woman, and Jesus meets her at the well, which is what we call ourselves here. Meets her at the well. Why? Because she's going there to get water, because she needs water. And it's also where people go to interact with one another, share ideas, and socialize. So that's what she's going to do. She's going to go to the well. However, this particular woman is like an outcast in the community. I mean, nobody wants to be around her. Why? Well, she's been married five or six times. She's working on number six or seven, living with him. And in this day, that's a lot of marriages. In that day, I'm confident that was a lot, a lot of marriages. And I'm sure that the women of the village thought, I don't want anything to do with her. And so she went to the well. She meets Jesus, who was there by himself. Disciples had gone into the village to get something to eat. And they have this conversation. And Jesus essentially says to her, I want to give you a new life. I want to give you living water. Essentially, he says to her the same thing he says to Nicodemus. He says to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born anew. You have to experience spiritual transformation. And that's what he offers to her as well. So she was looking for meaning in her life through a string of relationships. She was looking for love in all the wrong places. That'd be a great song, wouldn't it? She was looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for meaning, purpose, satisfaction in all the wrong places, thinking that those experiences would give her that very thing. And so isn't it interesting, side by side in these two chapters of the New Testament, we have two people trying to find this spiritual life in two very different places. Religious activity, kind of going out and doing your own thing. And in both cases, they're not finding it. And in both cases, Jesus says, you've got to be born anew. You've got to do something different in order to experience this. It's not about religious activity. It's not about self-fulfillment. It's something else. And it makes me wonder, where am I trying to find my meaning in life? Where am I trying to find my purpose? Where am I looking for my satisfaction? How would you answer that question for your own life? Where is it that you're looking? What is the source of these things? You see, in both of these stories, Jesus says again, just to reiterate, if you want a spiritual life that comes from the Spirit, not through human activity, whether it be religious or a-religious. Now, to be born anew, to be given this spiritual transformation, is really difficult to describe in human language. Jesus called it being born again. I mean, how else do you talk about God literally transforming or renovating a person's life? And as I study what it means to experience this new life, this new birth, this transformation, it occurs to me that we see it kind of happening in three places. One, 
uh, he gives us a new mind. Two, he gives us a new emotions, gives us new emotions. And three, gives us a new will. So he gives us a new mind. We think differently now because we've had the spiritual renewal, rebirth, transformation, whatever you want to call it. We begin to see life and people as God sees life and people. And we also have different emotions. We're no longer controlled by selfishness, by destructive patterns and destructive emotions. No, God has freed us from all that. And also God has given us a new will. You and I no longer want what we used to want. We now want to participate in God's kingdom work. We want to do what God is doing. So I was at a meeting. and I, This is a rant. Excuse me, I'm going to do it anyway. It was a meeting not long ago. Church, lead, church leaders, church people, and talking about how churches really need to be revitalized and renewed. And churches do. I mean, worship attendance is down nationwide. And fewer and fewer people are walking through the door on Sunday mornings of many, many churches. And every year, eight to 10,000 churches are closing their doors for good. And so it's a, it's a scary time for church leaders, pastors and church members alike. There's this great conversation. You know, how are we going to renew the church? How are we going to revitalize the church? And basically what I began to hear, though, was church leaders saying, if our churches will p- become involved in this issue, this political issue, this social issue, then our churches will experience renewal and vitality. That's a human response to a spiritual issue. Only the Spirit, again, what Jesus said, only the Spirit can give birth to life in the Spirit. And so what I saw was we were looking for this in all the wrong places, thinking, okay, we're going to get involved in this political issue. That's going to make it work. We're going to get involved in this social issue. That's going to make it work. It's like saying to Rotary, if if I just go to Rotary every week, I'm going to have an active spiritual life. It just doesn't work that way. We have to be born anew. That's what God wants to do. He wants to transform us. But again, not by being just very, very religious and not just by going out and doing our own thing. God wants to transform us by giving us life in the spirit. That's what reproduces it. And so what does it look like? What does it look like when you and I have this moment where our our mind and our emotions and our will are transformed? First of all, what we see is we become people of great devotion. I mean, Nicodemus became a devoted follower of Jesus. He was there at the cross. And think about all that he had to give up for that in order to gain that new life, the status and the comfort. But those things were no match to the spiritual life that God had given him. And so what about in your life? What does devotion look like for you? What is God saying? You might have to kind of give this up or turn away from this in order to experience the fullness of this life. The other result that we see from the woman at the well, so devotion is kind of the result. The response from the woman at the well would make a great mission statement. Essentially, after she had this encounter with Jesus, she goes back into the village. And she says to the people, you're not going to believe this guy I met. You've got to come and see him. You've got to meet him. This could be the Messiah. Now, remember, she's someone who's basically a social outcast. And yet she issues that great invitation. God has invited us, but here's what I believe. God calls us to invite other people too. Have you ever been to a great restaurant? Maybe it's a new restaurant. Let's say it's a new restaurant. 
Very few people have been there yet. You go there and have an awesome meal. What do you do with that information? My hunch is you do what I do. I tell as many people as I can, you got to go try this place. It is fantastic. The food is wonderful. But do we, if we are followers of Jesus, have the same enthusiasm for worship and for our relationship with him? I mean, going out to eat at a great restaurant is really pretty trivial in comparison to our spiritual life. And I know that for a lot of us, this notion of responding to this new life by being an inviting person and saying, hey, you got you to gotta come down to, to worship or you've got to, you know, you, you should read this Bible. You should read this story. Let me tell you what I've experienced. It can seem awkward because we think, well, I'm not perfect. You know, I, I don't know all the answers. Well, this woman at the well, was she perfect? Did she know all the answers? No. What did she do? She just said, hey, come and see. Because here's what I believe. If you and I say we're not qualified to do this, we're not qualified to invite someone, we're not qualified to share what we have experienced in Christ with someone, we really feel that, that doesn't matter. Because God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. God qualifies you and me when he calls us. And so we simply have to make room for the people in our world. Room for the people in our life. We make room in our lives, to talk with them about our relationship with God. We make room to talk with them about what we've experienced. We make room for them next to us where we sit on Sunday morning so that they can sit right there with us. We make room for them at the lunch table if we invite them to lunch after the service. You know, part of life in the Spirit is that we have this new sense of devotion to God, but we also have this new purpose to invite others to enjoy what we've enjoyed. And again, these are not the results of just religious activity or of just self-fulfillment kind of doing our own thing. These are the results of having an encounter with Christ, inviting Christ into our lives. Remember, whoever thirsts, let him come. And so if we're thirsty, we're going to go to him and experiencing that fullness of meaning, satisfaction, and purpose. And so a takeaway for today, hopefully there are a couple of them. The takeaway is one to ask yourself, you know, where, what am I looking for? And where am I looking for it? And another takeaway is to ask, what does it look like for me to now have this new mind and these new emotions and this new will? What does it look like for me to be a fully devoted follower and just enjoy that incredible life that both Nicodemus and the woman at the well experienced? And who are the people around me who need to hear about this? And how can I invite them, understanding that God has indeed qualified you because he has called you? All right, we're done for the day. I hope you have a terrific week, as always. We say goodbye listening to the Wallflowers. I know it's an old song, but it's a good song. Have a great week. Bye.